Friends, our second lesson today is taken from the book of Job, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. One day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. Then Satan answered the Lord, skin for skin, all that people have they will give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job took a potsherd with which to scrape himself and sat among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Well, I actually, uh, I do follow the lectionary, and you get to choose from texts that are up that week, but I actually select texts three, four, five weeks ahead of time. So it was actually somewhere probably around Labor Day that I had known that I would be preaching the Job text today, not knowing what this week was going to bring. And so uh, as the events of what we went through this week, we'll talk a little bit about it at prayer time. You, most of you are aware from email. Um, it was interesting that it turned out that this was the text for, for this week going forward. Now, one of the things to remember about the book of Job is that it's not history, it's a story. It's in that section of the Hebrew scriptures that they call the writings. Uh, it, it's pretty old. It, we don't know exactly when it was written, but it was probably one of the older um, texts that is in the Hebrew scriptures. And it's basically in the tradition uh, that you see in the New Testament with people going to Jesus and asking him a question. And his answer isn't in the form of a traditional answer, but he answers by saying, let me tell you a story. Okay? So they would ask a question, and you might get a story in response to the question. In this case, Job is basically a story that is in response to the question that has been in every society through history, which was, why do people suffer? Particularly, why do righteous people suffer? And so, essentially, this is the, the story in response. So it's like, why do righteous people suffer? I don't get it. Well, let me tell you a story. And that story is the story of Job. Now, we see some elements of the story that definitely predate some modern and more modern understandings of things, such as the appearance of this character, Satan. Satan is not, in the text, really a proper noun. It is a, it is a title, it's a term, where what it really means is to be the adversary or the accuser, okay? So that's what it means. And so he's just saying, so the accuser, so the adversary went to God and said, and his job, by the way, you'll notice in here, he's, he's a, sort of listening to God. He's being annoying, but he's listening to God. He presents himself before God, and, um, and he's just looking at people on the earth, and as the accuser, his 
job was to basically try to be, well, this is why we have a thing called the devil's advocate. Okay. If, if, in fact, where that term comes from, if you're familiar at all with the Roman Catholic process of uh, giving someone sainthood, you have people who advocate for the idea that the person should be a saint, and then there's a person called the devil's advocate, who, whose job it is to present the side for why the person should not be a saint. And effectively, Satan is doing that job here. What he's doing is, is he's taking people where God thinks that they are upright people, and he's saying, hmm, you think they're so good. Let me put them to a little test, and I will show you that they are not as good as you think they are. Okay? And in the first chapter of Job, he started in on him, and he had already killed Job's livestock, Servants and children. Okay? And Job was, all right, I don't like this, but so be it. And so we're in chapter 2, and God is like, well, look, you did this, and he's still, main, you know, he's still a, a person who's of integrity. And Satan says, yeah, well, that's because we didn't do anything to him. You know, all I did was kill his livestock, his servants, and his children, but I didn't touch him. If you let me touch him, now you will see what happens. And so he says, you know, touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to, his, to your face. And God says, okay, go ahead with the test. One condition, just don't kill him. Which I actually think would end the test anyway. So, you know, <laughs> so, so go ahead, but, but don't kill him. God lets him go further, and then this happens to Job, and it said he sat in the ashes, which, by the way, um, probably means he was at a garbage dump, because uh, historically, and it's pretty common in cultures, is they burned their garbage, all right? And so, basically, he was sitting in ashes implies that he's at the place where the town garbage would get collected. They would burn the garbage. He's sitting in the ashes, finds among the ashes that shard of broken pottery, because you would have discarded that as well, and he's using that shard of broken pottery to try and relieve the, the itch and the pain of the sores that he's covered with. And even through this, he still won't blame God. So then comes the text where his wife says to him, says, do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. Get it over with. Give up. By the way, funny thing about the text, that word curse isn't the word curse in Hebrew. They just didn't want to write the phrase curse God. So apparently they are southerners because the word in the Hebrew is bless. It actually says, bless God and die, like, bless your heart. <laughs> bless God and die. Do you still persist in your integrity? That word integrity in Hebrew refers to an inner consistency. And so, you know, because you can think about the idea of Job. I don't want to blame God. I don't want to blame God for what's happening to me. But you can imagine yourself in that situation and saying, I really want to, but I won't. I really want to, but I won't. I really want to lash out at God, but I won't. 
that he was persisting in his integrity. That word integrity in the Hebrew meant that there was this inner consistency, a consistency between your outer self and your inner self. So it wasn't even a matter of Job wanting to curse God, wanting to blame God, and having the self-control not to do so. When his wife says that he is persisting in his integrity, what this means is that he is sitting there not even wanting to. He has the integrity, the consistency between his inner life that's happening and his outer life, and he sits in the ashes, sits covered in sores, sits having had his livestock, his, his children, his servants all killed, and he doesn't want to blame God. He's not worried about the question. And that's kind of the point. Remember I said that this story is kind of an answer to the question, why is there suffering? The point of the story that we get into is that why isn't the question you should be asking? And the reason why is this. When you ask why, you're actually kind of questioning the character of God. So you say, why does this happen? You're kind of saying, God, I thought you were a better God than this. I thought you had more control than this. I thought you were nicer than this. I thought you were fairer than this. When you start to ask why, you are actually questioning the character of God. And the issue is not the character of God. The story is putting our focus back on the character of Job. It's not about the character of God. You see, you're supposed to presume what the character of God is. You're supposed to know what the character of God is. And then the question is, what is your character? What is your character in the face of these things that happens? And so you get this famous line from Job that begins with a really awful line from Job. You know, the line where he says, you speak as any foolish woman would speak. Yeah, that one. And the women are thinking, no wonder he got covered in sores. <laughs> he kind of earned it. <laughs> kind of earned it with that one. Yeah, wow. I always thought they could have edited that. <laughs> but then Job says... Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? It's kind of an affirmation of life as it exists in our realm. You know, life as it exists in our realm has good and it has bad. And, and you don't really get to break it apart and say, well, you know, I, I don't want the bad part, God. I just want... I just want the good. There's this old Peanuts cartoon that I loved. It was Lucy talking to Charlie Brown, and Charlie Brown says to Lucy, you know, Lucy, life has ups and downs. And she goes, why? Why can't it just be ups? Why can't we just go from up to upper up? I want ups. And then the cartoon ends with her just screaming, ranting, saying, I want ups, ups, I want ups. But that's not what life is. You know, this, this past week, we had two losses, unexpected losses. And we had a wedding. And you don't get to just say, I only want the wedding and I don't want 
the deaths. You don't get that choice. If we're going to embrace all of life, if we're going to embrace what life is for us, then we embrace it all. We don't pick it apart. We take the whole package. We decide that we are simply going to accept all of what life has given us and understand that it comes from God. See, pain and loss are a part of life. And we appreciate all of it. We have to decide whether we're going to enjoy the whole thing and move on or not. See, Job's wife was just saying, stop, quit, give up. And as the, the story of Job goes on, at the end of the day, you know, you, know, you go through, by the way, many, many chapters of, of God uh, speaking to Job, lecturing Job, and understand that one of the ways we know, you know what the intent of the story is is that it's all poetry. The vast majority of the book of Job is not even prose. It's actually poetry. And, and when, when God is, is saying all these things for many chapters about why is Job daring to question God, all of God's speech to Job is, is, is a long poem about the complexities of life, about the mysteries of life and our inability to discern them and, and figure them out. And so what happens is that at the end of the day, we trust a God who has given us all of this. We appreciate all of it. And then the question for us is not why. The question is, do I quit or do I persevere? The story of Job unfolds. And at the end of the story, it's a little, it's interesting, it's bittersweet in a way, it's good in a way. I mean, he ends up with more than what he started with. But, you always look at the story and go, yeah, but he lost his children. How do, how do you, more children later doesn't, you know, we know it doesn't make up for children lost before. You can't get too caught up in the details of the story. If you get too caught up in the details of the story, you become like that person who refuses to watch a Star Wars movie because you've decided a lightsaber can't, isn't possible. But you have to understand that he ends up with more, but it's also different, which is a lot like the way we move through grief. We end up in a place where there is still joy, there is still happiness, there's still a reason to move forward. It's also not the same as it was. But the question is, are you going to quit? Or are you going to persevere? Are you going to stop questioning God and simply decide to move on. Because th this question of why, you know, you know where we hear that question. We hear it from little kids. 
right? The little kid who just says, why? 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 And ultimately, what do you end up just saying to the kid? Because. At a certain point, you say to the kid, because. And it's not actually blowing off the child to say because. Because is just a way of saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Mom, why do I have to brush my teeth before I go to bed? Just trust me. <laughs> Someday you'll appreciate it. Someday you'll know. Why do I have to wash my hands before I eat? Just trust me. Someday you'll know. You don't try to teach them microbiology to convince them when they're in the third grade to teach them to wash their hands. You don't try and explain to a six-year-old that they're going to avoid having implants someday because of, the, you know, because of cavities if they don't brush their teeth. You don't go there. You just kind of say, trust me. Followed by, do it. <laughs> That's actually the end of this story. Trust me. Go forward. Trust me. Don't quit. Keep moving through all that life brings. The good and the bad. Appreciate all of it. And above all, don't quit. Amen.